Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori, of course, and today is July 9th, uh, 2020. Uh, It's Thursday, and today has been on fire all morning. I mean, uh, you know, from SCOTUS gate showing its teeth. Uh, you know, I said SCOTUS gate was going to be big. You have no idea. There's going to be resignation stepping down. I guess, Oh, I don't know. I was sick. I don't know. I died. I don't know. This is how it's going to roll out. But all of that should be coming way to the surface on the 20th of July. Um, I wanted today to walk through some timelines and have some discussion about these tax returns, which are insane. Uh, this is just fuel for uh, going after the president. Joining us tonight is Republican. Going after the president, excuse me, uh, once again, Right. Going after the president to impeach during the second term. This is their first guest. And uh, it's going to be pretty interesting to watch them. Now, I'm going to start today's show with uh, the press secretary answering certain questions. It's important we listen to those questions, because if we pay attention to the news the day before, the questions that are being asked are the questions that predict what the mainstream media has been given to ask to set the ground for the next day. Uh, yesterday's press conference is a perfect example. Take a listen. Here, I mean, I'm more forceful about what exactly he would intend to do. Well, the president's been very clear. I mean, I just mentioned to you what he wants in CARES Act 4. Um, he's mentioned some other things, so I think he's very vocal about what he wants, and you'll be hearing more from us in CARES Act 4. Um, he's mentioned some other things, so I think he's very vocal about what he wants, and you'll be hearing more from him. Justin. Thanks. Um, I had one on Hong Kong, but I first wanted to just follow on the rally question. Him. Justin. Thanks. Um, I had one on Hong Kong, but I first wanted to just follow on the rally question. Um, just before you came out, the director of the Tulsa Health Department said that uh, the president's rally. Um, just before you came out, the director of the Tulsa Health Department said that. Uh, Can you guys hear how in the stream it's being doubled? Can you hear it? I'm just playing it from YouTube, not touching it. Can you hear the repeat? Just the president's rally very likely contributed to a surge in coronavirus cases in the city. Um, we know that allies to a surge in coronavirus cases in the city. Um, we know that allies and advisors of the president also have tested positive since uh, Tulsa and in New Hampshire, masks are recommended but not required. So I'm wondering first why the president um, continues not to require masks at his rallies, considering we've seen the public health outcomes that come from it, and whether that also tested positive since uh, Tulsa and in New Hampshire, masks are recommended but not required. So I'm wondering first why the president um, continues not to require masks at his rallies, considering We've seen the public health outcomes that come from it, and whether that that or other changes or something um, that he might look at going well, forward. The president's been operating in accordance. Or something um, 
that he might look at going well, forward. The president's been operating in accordance with CDC guidelines recommended but not required. But as he said recently, if he weren't tested every day and he was in a situation where he couldn't distance, amended but not required. But as he said recently, if he weren't tested every day and he was in a situation where he couldn't distance, he would wear masks. We hand them out. Uh, They're handed out by the campaign, rather, at these events. Um, and there's ample hands. He would wear masks. We hand them out. Uh, They're handed out by the campaign, rather, at these events. Um, and there's ample hand sanitizer. And it's people's individual choice as to whether to, to go. Sanitizer, and it's people's individual choice as to whether to to go. I would just I would just say um, that I, I have no data to indicate that on my end, but it's the decision of individual. Um, I, I have no data to indicate that on my end, but it's the decision of individuals whether to go. We encourage the wearing of masks, as the president said. If he couldn't distance, he would, but it's the individual choice of the person. On Hong Kong, I know the chief of staff, national security advisor, have talked in the last couple of days, indicating that the president might uh, both sign the bill that was passed by Congress earlier last week and uh, hinted at courage. The wearing of masks, as the president said, if he couldn't distance, he would, but it's the individual choice of the person. On Hong Kong, I know the chief of staff, national security advisor, have talked in the last couple of days, indicating that the president might uh, both sign the bill that was passed by Congress earlier last week and uh, hinted at additional action. So I'm wondering both if you have any updated guidance on, on the timing of those things, and both if you have any updated guidance on, on the timing of those things, but also we've heard concern from U.S. companies that sort of aggressive uh, sanctions that, that would be unlocked. We've heard concern from U.S. companies that sort of aggressive uh, sanctions that, that would be unlocked under the... Okay, guys, can you hear how it's being repeated? I want you guys to see it. So, the, uh, you know, so those of you that are watching on YouTube and Facebook, I've shared the screen so you can see the click, click going back and forth. This has been duplicated. This is just the beginning. Okay, just the beginning. All right, just the beginning on this. The latest bill could hurt their businesses in Hong Kong uh, and, and China, and some under the latest bill could hurt their businesses in Hong Kong uh, and, and China. And so I'm wondering if you could kind of talk through the administration's thoughts about balancing, um, you know, how press. I'm wondering if you could kind of talk through the administration's thoughts about balancing. Um, you know, how aggressively you would be sanctioning Chinese officials versus U.S. business interests. So I'm not going to get ahead of the president on what Chinese officials versus U.S. business interests. So I'm not going to get ahead of the president on what our actions on China will be, but you will be hearing about some upcoming actions that pertain to China. So I can confirm that. Yes. yes. Thank you, Kaylee. So still on Hong Kong this morning, uh, Robert O'Brien said that China has basically annexed Hong Kong. Can you explain what he means by that and what the administration Okay, uh, that is what I wanted you guys to hear, those of you on the radio and those of you that are watching on Facebook Live and uh, YouTube C. So uh, it's really important that we understand glitches uh, within it. Uh, you can see that you are simply part of a show. Uh, that was actually streamed live, and um, there were glitches. That was the one of many uh, that indicated that. It was a pretty incredible uh, to watch myself because I was like, wow, they can't even control it anymore because they don't have access to things. Well, you know, earlier this morning, I saw Elon Musk tweeted, hey, if you can't beat them, join them, hashtag Neuralink. 
dangerous. Dangerous in the hands of those that seek advancement and some power. Uh, so uh, that is uh, pretty incredible just, you know, watching it unfold. It's, it's one thing to know and it's another thing to, to see it come to fruition. Now, this morning, about, uh, about 45 minutes ago, Nancy Pelosi had a presser. You should listen to this part of the press conference where the Q&A is. Tax returns will go before the grand jury before the election. So are you disappointed that Congress and the American public will not see these records, almost certainly will not see these records before November? Well, thank you for that question because it takes me to what was really important about this decision. This isn't so much about the president's records, although we'd like to know, you know, how Russia funded his operation, all those years. But that's not what was at stake. What was at stake is the president above the law. Is this court, a court friendly to the president, uh, going to rule in favor of the executive branch and say that there is no congressional oversight? undermining our system of checks and balances. So for us, that was what was important and what is at stake is the system of checks and balances. As I say in my statement, the genius of the Constitution. If, in fact, they would have ruled that he is above, not above the law, I mean, that he, that he can do whatever he wants without any oversight from Congress, that would have been a, just devastating. To tell you that it's true. You mean to say that he is above the law would have been devastating. Uh, sounds like she doesn't know what she's saying. And we would still fight it. We would still fight it because they would have abandoned all precedents and the rest uh, that has ruled in favor of Congress having oversight authority. However, they did not. And uh, the victory is for the Constitution of the United States. The process will take longer, but that's not what the, the import, what was truly important here. All I kept thinking is our founders did this magnificently, magnificently, the separation of uh, checks and balance, the separation of power, co-equal branches of government, and the court system. She's wearing the staff, by the way. Yes, sir. Um, given the unemployment situation and the rise in cases in the past couple of days, uh, do you think it's possible to extend that unemployment benefit separate from the HEROES Act or some other package that you may have to work out before the end of the month? The uh, People ask me, is it possible that you could do the uh, state and local separately? Or... Uh, uh, acknowledging the horror of what's happening with the spike in the spikes in the uh, coronavirus, would you do that separately? They really are all connected. They are all of one piece. Uh, we will be working on, and our budget committee has has been making progress on this on how we have stabilizers so that if you reach a certain uh, unemployment rate or whatever measure is appropriate to the action required, that it would automatically happen so that there's no doubt. Just so you know, prior to these uh, Q&A parts, uh, she mentioned that she's going to give trillions of dollars, trillions with a T, with a T, uh, 
to people and claiming that, you know, businesses are going to say, look, you're coming back to work. I'm not responsible for you anymore. So you can't claim unemployment uh, that President Trump said uh, is un-American. She said, she said, it's not right. People deserve to be protected. They shouldn't be out when a disease is so bad. Now, like we said here in March, before everything was shut down, before it got crazy, right? And those on my subscribe star got it earlier than most. Uh, this is a very highly specific virus, specific to certain cohorts that have received uh, the vaccine. Uh, the vaccines uh, for influenza A and B and for our elderly in the pneumonia vaccine. So it's highly specific. I'm not saying that this virus isn't real. It's just not what they're telling you. Because it can, uh, as analyzing the information and the genetic code, uh, you would say the RNA code that I've seen, it has uh, marker seekers uh, because it has been seen together. So it is very deadly, but highly specific. I repeat, highly specific. Yet they want to terrorize the rest of the world with the few that were in this cohort, which they know is the most um, uh, vulnerable part of our community where they get free health care, right? This is why they said, oh, the, remember when they said coronavirus was uh, deadly uh, for black Americans? That's all you need to remember. Uh, but this unemployment insurance uncertainty is devastating uh, to families. So the, the, I don't know. You know, I don't know if, if that's the easiest thing. I don't know that they support unemployment insurance. But I do think that they will eventually support state and local government. And they're going to have to come around to something on uh, COVID. And by the way, much of what we have on these testing, tracing, treatment, etc., relates to addressing the disparities uh, in our community, how low-income families and people of color uh, suffer in a disproportionate way uh, because of their predisposition to it, because of their lack of access to testing early enough and the rest. So every piece of it is critically important, and there's no reason why we should, should we just ignore testing and let this thing go? Should we just say to state and local, too bad fire people, uh, fire people, diminish services to your uh, populations and also raise taxes. I mean, this is a very well thought out uh, initiative and it's all connected. Open up the economy, test. Treat the people, honor our heroes. It's all connected. Any other women who have a question? Women? You. Here. <laughs> Did you hear that? Any other women that have a question? So now there's sexual discrimination on who can ask her questions. Are you getting it? Um, thank you, Madam Speaker. Um, so you were just talking about congressional oversight. So my question is about um, the United States withdrawal from the World Health Organization. Um, since you mentioned that um, the defund um, from the organization would be illegal, would House Democrats planning to take any action? We she said that defunding the WHO and not giving them half a trillion and then some 
you know, uh, of money, of our money, is illegal. Did you hear that? This is the lady in the staff talking, okay? Of having, putting together our appropriations bill now, uh, I think the president's withdrawal from WHO is senseless. Uh, it's not only about the coronavirus. It's about polio. It's about other uh, uh, afflictions, diseases, diagnoses uh, that we have worked together to try to eliminate or uh, diminish. So I think it's senseless. As you know, uh, it doesn't become effective until next summer, 2021, I think it is July. Uh, we'll be addressing it in our appropriations bill uh, that is being written this week and next to counter that. Yes, sir. Speaker Pelosi. On Tuesday, the HHS appropriations markup, Congressman Cole criticized the fiscal spending year, or mm -hmm. next spending bill, mm -hmm. for forcing family planning guarantees to provide information on abortion to all pregnant women they serve, regardless of their religious belief. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Wow. Doesn't it seem like the mainstream media have set questions on gaslighting the left, which, by the way, is a minority? I haven't seen... I haven't seen that. I, I, I don't know what he said about it, but when I see it, I'll let you know what I think of it. There's also a push to be able to uh, take out uh, the Hyde Amendment. Well, let me just say this about the Hyde Amendment. For 40 years, since I was like not even in Congress, I have been dismayed by the injustice of the Hyde Amendment. It just discriminates against poor women, and largely they are women of color. And so uh, I don't know if that relates to that. I don't, I don't know what that is. I, I don't, I, I don't think that it's in the bill. I, I, I don't. You, you'll have it's to. It's not in this bill, but there was a push to possibly remove the Hyde Amendment in the coming spending bills in the years to come. Well, what are we talking about the years to come? I myself would like to see it gone. Gone. I think it's gravely unjust, but. Do you see how they tell them what they want them to do? So in the spending bill, they wanted to include removing the Hyde Amendment. So you're either doing spending or you're doing the Hyde Amendment. You can't do everything right at once, which is what the Democrats want. Uh, you want money for people? Well, this is how it's going to go. You're going to extend the sunset clause. Or you want money? Well, you need to give illegal migrants citizenship. They throw in so many things within their bills. And, and the worst part about it is kind of like what I talked about yesterday, that most of the people in the House and Senate don't even read them. They rely on staffers that are paid by the other side or whoever has interests, right? And they just vote accordingly. They don't do their job. Listen, like I said, you do not have to be anyone special to run for office. You don't have to be a businessman. You don't have to be a lawyer. There's no prerequisite of you being the voice of the people. But once you're in there, you need to do your job. Now, if you're a guy or a gal that doesn't understand all this legal jargon, what do you do? When you create your staff, you bring people on that are experts in that, that you trust, that you vetted yourself, not, you know, hey, you know, this guy that's been in the Senate for 10 years, you know, for two terms, 12 years, uh, told me that this person is great. No, you don't do that. That's not what you do. And when someone's been in there for 12 years, they need to go. Do your term and go. Let the people have different voices in there. Now, 
Uh, one great thing is, and I like this, is that people that run for Senate, I would love to see as congressmen or congresswomen first. That way they prove who they are before they get the six-year term. Because the Senate is very important. Very important. They do the confirmations. They're the roadblock for the House when it goes nuts. And I think this is something that we should always have. I actually believe that, uh, you know, uh, going through Congress, someone can see you as a legislator, see what you support, what you put in there. Right. And that is how you prove yourself. Honestly, that's what I think. You know, Schmo that has, you know, the deli on the corner can run for Congress. Get him in there. Is he your voice? Great. Next time round, I want him for Senate because I need a man just like that approving bills. Look how many people you have in Senate that have been there since forever and a day. <laughs> just think Joe Biden, right? So this, this should be a proving ground, I believe, for those that run for Senate. And I say this because this should be coming around very, very soon. Uh, this is just a hint. It's not in this bill. As I understand. So what was he complaining about? Something that wasn't in the bill? No, he was complaining about uh, criticizing that, the, that family planning guarantees to provide information on abortions to all pregnant women that they serve regardless of their religious belief. I, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, I just don't. And I'm an appropriator and I served on Labor HHS uh, for uh, many years. Labor uh, HHS. And I'm very close to the issue of family planning, being a mother of five in six years to the day. Well, the I know something about this, but I don't know what he's complaining about there. Yes, ma'am. He's um, complaining yeah, about. This question is close to home for you. Um, the city of Richmond is obviously in sync with your desire to get rid of. Confederate statues, but in Baltimore and Little Italy, the statue of Christopher Columbus was removed or mm -hmm. taken down. And I wonder if you have anything to share about that. Well, I'm not a, a big, you know, I, I don't even have my grandmother's earrings. I'm not a big, uh, let's see what we have in terms of monuments in this. I'm more interested in what people have accomplished. Uh, I think that it's up to the communities to decide what statues they want to see. But uh, I think that it's very important that we take down any of the statues of people who committed treason against the United States of America as those statues exist in the Congress of the, the, the halls of Congress, in the rotunda, uh, the, not the rotunda, I don't think, but in the uh, statuary hall and the rest, where most, many, some of them are. Uh, but um, I'm, I'm not one of those people who's wedded to, oh, a statue of, to somebody someplace is an important thing. Uh, I don't, again, if the community doesn't want the statue there, the statue shouldn't be there. Uh, I, that doesn't diminish my pride in my Italian-American heritage and the fact that uh, it was a country discovered by an Italian named for an Italian-American of Vespucci. Uh, so I have that pride, uh, but I don't care that much about statues. Shouldn't that be done by a commission or the city council, not a mob in the middle of the night, throwing it into the harbor? People will do what they do. It, it's, it's a, it is, uh, I do think that from a safety standpoint, uh, it would be a good idea to uh, have it taken down if the community doesn't want it. I don't know that it has to be a commission, uh, but it just could be a, a community view. And sometimes it's something that's been there that view has been there for a while. But let's just say 
I always say to young people who come, to, children who come to the Capitol, when you look around, you see statues to people in, in Washington monuments and the rest who uh, who we respect Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln, you know, heroes. They would want us to be talking about the future, your future. So everything we do here is about you. It's not necessarily, um, they would want it to be about looking forward, not looking back. Uh, so let's just think about what are the uh, values, the vision, uh, the perspective uh, that we enshrine and how that benefits our children rather than having a big fight Tom, about um, what statues? Was somebody worth it. We know they're not worth it. If- we know they're not worth it. Oh, my gosh. That was it. That was it. She's telling, oh, we shouldn't do this. We shouldn't do that. But we know they're not worth it. Are you kidding? Is this for real, you guys? Right? Is this for real? But we're listening to it. Now, this morning, the Supreme Court kicked back the quest for President Trump's tax returns from before he was president, right? Kicked it back straight to New York. And that's pretty, that's pretty telling on what their plan is to come. So listen to how Fox analyzed this quickly. These are the opinions that we have been waiting for all term. Uh, Shannon, you've had a chance to take a look at uh, what, the, what the Supreme Court issued this morning. Give us some more information. Yeah. So, so, John, this is our second opinion now. This has to do with the three House committees that had gone to the president's, uh, these two banks uh, and financial companies that hold his records with subpoenas. And they have said, listen, we're going to comply with legally what we're told to do. But today, that is going to remain unresolved. The court recognizes that Congress has the power to go and uh, issue subpoenas that deal with the president. But what they do in walking through this today is saying there are all kinds of considerations that have to be taken into uh, into consideration. says, burdens imposed by a congressional subpoena should be carefully scrutinized for they stem from a rival political branch that has an ongoing relationship with the president and incentives to use subpoenas for institutional advantage. They talk about the clash of the two branches and the power that each holds. They go through this entire thing and then say at the end um, that the lower courts did not take adequate account of all the concerns. They talk about the narrowness of subpoenas, uh, the availability of the information somewhere else. Because the lower courts didn't do that, they say the judgments of all these lower courts uh, are vacated, and this cases, there are multiple cases here, are, are sent back to the lower courts for further proceedings consistent with the opinion. So they basically lay out four different considerations that you got to look into if Congress is going to subpoena something involving the president. They walk through all four of those, then say the lower courts did not make that full analysis. So they make no decision on these particular requests, these particular congressional subpoenas. They do say presidents can be subpoenaed, but in this case, they say these cases all have to go back to the lower courts. It's almost certain there is no way that is going to be anywhere near resolved by November 3rd of this year. 
So I, I think the president's team can take this as a temporary win in that those committees will not get access to that information based on today's Supreme Court opinion. The other, the first one dealing with the New York prosecutor is trickier because they go all the way to saying a president can't walk away from these subpoenas, but also then leave open the possibility these cases have to go back down to the lower court. The president can make additional arguments there at the district court of that first court level in the federal system. So a lot of um, unresolved, deeper, bigger questions um, from the court today by sending both of these these decisions essentially back to the lower courts for more proceedings. So um, I think it's a mixed bag for the White House. But at the end of the day, the congressional subpoenas are not going to get these records right away. And it looks like the president's team will be able to continue to try to wage a fight with the New York prosecutor, although the court has recognized the prosecutor's subpoena uh, can be good for a president and the president can have to comply. But the arguments will continue in the lower courts, John. So this is a big can of worms, you guys. Think about it. If a local prosecutor subpoena is good enough for the president, how many people can actually file against the president? That's that's number one, right, in different states. So I want to just pause it right there and uh, play my uh, incredible commercials. And I'll be right back. Forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. Every decision will be made to benefit American workers and American families. America will start winning again, winning like never before. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. Do not allow anyone to tell you that it cannot be done. No challenge can match the heart and fight and spirit of America. We will not fail. Our country will thrive and prosper again. Your voice, your hopes, and your dreams will define our American destiny. When America is united, America is totally unstoppable. After nearly four years, my family's nightmare is finally over. We couldn't have survived this without the love and support of the millions of patriots around the world. Thank you from the bottom of our heart. Hi, I'm Laura Loomer, and I'm running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District. Wouldn't it be horrible if we lived in a nation where journalists were silenced just because they confronted the political and media elite? You might think that could never happen in America, but it did. And to me. For confronting people like Hillary Clinton on her corruption and Ilhan Omar for her ties to radical Islamic terror groups, I have been banned on pretty much every single social media platform. And if that doesn't sound extreme enough, I'm also banned on Uber and Lyft. I know, I cannot understand that last one either. When this all happened to me, I contacted the media and members of Congress. I asked them for help. I kept calling, I kept emailing, but I never received a reply. And that's when it hit me. I'm a well-known journalist who has the phone numbers of the most powerful people in politics and media, yet I couldn't get any assistance. 
What on earth would the average American do if the same thing happened to them? I realized then that if I wanted to see change, that I would need to run for office. The American people deserve representation that listens to and acts on their concerns. So here I am, running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District, because the American people deserve a voice and a representative who, like President Trump, will keep the promises they make and speak up loudly and clearly for that silent majority. All right, welcome back, everyone. So we're going to delve today into a little bit of SCOTUS gate because this is going to be pretty cray-cray. Uh, Hillary Clinton, Ghislaine Maxwell, we're going to talk about that too. Um, though in the first hour, I want us to kind of just cover uh, what's happening. So as you realize, uh, the Supreme Court did something very wrong with kicking it back, which is, hey, their prerogative, right, to do as they want. But the president... Uh, you know, came back and he's angry and he's tweeting and he rightfully so should be doing so because the bottom line is this is presidential harassment. It has nothing to do with justice, nothing to do with the betterment of the United States of America. All right. Well, following the uh, U.S. Supreme Court ruling, the president has been absolutely lighting up Twitter this morning. Let's get to the tweets, uh, beginning with this. We have a totally corrupt previous administration, including a president and vice president who spied on my campaign and got caught and nothing happens to them. This crime was taking place even before my. Can you see the spelling of caught? I'm just putting it out there election. Everyone knows it, and yet all are frozen stiff with fear. No Republican Senate judiciary response, no justice, no FBI, no nothing. Major horror show reports on Comey and McCabe, guilty as hell, nothing happens. Catch Obama and Biden cold, nothing. A three-year, $45 million Mueller hoax, failed, investigated, everything. One all against the federal government and the Democrats send everything to politically corrupt New York, which is falling apart with everyone leaving to give it a second, third and fourth try. Now the Supreme Court gives a delay ruling that they would never have given for another president. This is about prosecutorial misconduct. We catch the other side spying on my campaign, the biggest political crime and scandal in U.S. history, and nothing happens. But despite this, I have done more than any president in history in the first three and a half years. The president getting a lot off his chest He's right. this morning. Um, let's take a look at the market. We've been following the Dow downward progression we're off now as you can see 344 points um but but and also the s p and nasdaq as you can see moving lower come in susan lee are we tying this to what we heard from the supreme court did they so, add to the sell sentiment yeah well markets don't like uncertainty you couple the news from the supreme mm. court also with rising cases of coronavirus and this is obviously i guess spurring and uh, i guess take, having people take money 
rising cases of coronavirus. Off the, the table, given that we've seen 26 record closes for the NASDAQ, why not cap some of the profits with a little bit of the unknowns? And I don't think you can discount the fact that this might also play into the election overhang, that this gives Biden a better chance of winning in November. Those are some of the factors, I think. That- the fact that they're even saying that Biden has a chance drives me. What? There is no chance in hell that that man has any fighting chance of winning this election. I need people to understand that. Every time someone tells you, Biden this, Biden, be like, stop. I don't have time for jokes. Because that guy can't even stand up on his own, let alone lead a country. He's a placeholder. He's not going to win. He's been in office since 1973. Tried to run for president in 88 and got shut down for being a BSer. And... Not a very good one. Like, why BS about that? Who cares? Own it. Not that good. All right, whatever. Just be you. Nope. It wasn't about him being you. Road scholars never do that. Never do that. So they're really salty because AMLO was here yesterday. And like I said, it had to do with Aubenbrecht. That is what I'm saying. Hillary Clinton is going down. And it's not, uh, you know, I want to say it's just her. It's all of them. This is all, you know, they're kicking up dust because they're angry. Kind of like, you know, when animals like mark their territory and they kick up dust. This is what you're seeing from the left. It's insane. Now, I wanted to play a clip that um, uh, is really dear to me that is Lou Dobbs going down on Ronna McDaniel. I have an article about Ronna McDaniel, how she handed full and unfettered access to anybody and their mother to have access to the RNC. I put it all out there. Obviously, that's been rectified now with Jacksonville. But the damage was done. Things needed to be fixed again. I want you guys to listen to this because I want to buy Lou Dobbs a beer now just because of this. I don't I'm not a big fan of his work because he's too politically correct for me. But this is the National Committee Chair Ronna McDaniel. Ronna, great to have you with us. And uh, I really I, I have to say Goldman Sachs has just handed you and the Republican Party and the president a, an immense gift uh, for your uh, your advertising against Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs. Great, Lou Dobbs. You know who Goldman Sachs is? Let me tell you something. Whenever you see Goldman Sachs executives enter a nation, they're screwed. This is where they start taking their money and giving them a financial plan to pay back the IMF. Are you getting this? This means Rhonda McDaniel just got in bed with the bird lady at, at the IMF. Joe Biden. I... $20 a share is a significant, uh, a significant down, uh, uh, down move for any market. Uh, it would be disastrous. Your, re- your reaction? Well, I think Goldman Sachs is right, and I think the, the market recognizes this, and the American people should recognize Biden would be a disaster for our economy. He's never held a job outside of Washington. He's never started a business. He has no clue what he's doing. He will bankrupt this country. He's already talked about the fact that he would raise taxes, uh, get rid of our um, energy independence, sign on to the Green New Deal. Today he said he would direct funds away from the police. He would be an unmitigated disaster for this country, and Americans will be poorer 
for his leadership if he does get elected, which we're going to stop, Lou, because we're going to reelect President Trump. You need to get a hold of Kanye West. I mean, he got really confused uh, in one of his <laughs> latest pronouncements, saying saying that uh, President Trump was in a bunker. Uh, it, it was a little confusing. Uh, he's going sort of the way of Joe Biden. Uh, it's Biden who spends all of his time in the basement uh, a bunker uh, in his home, uh, not the president of the United States, who is in front of the American people up close and personal uh, more than any president in modern history. Absolutely. I mean, Biden is hidden. Uh, he's not taking tough questions from the press. That is his whole campaign strategy. The less you get to know me, the better I'll do. Uh, I'm so excited for these debates. I cannot wait for them to go toe to toe. And of course, the president has not only led through this pandemic by getting the PPE and the ventilators and the testing ramped up. He put our economy in, in an unprecedented position before this. He's going to lead us back from this. But he's also showing the path forward. We can be healthy and safe, but we can also open up our economy and start working again and campaigning again yeah. because we have to start moving R forward. And Biden is stuck in his R basement, shivering in fear. I, oh, Ronna, if you would stay with us through this quick commercial break, we got a hard break coming at us. Uh, I want to continue with a few issues with uh, Mitch McConnell and the Republican Party. Ronna McDaniel, yes, uh, on the other side Come of on, these commercials. Lou. Please stay with us. We're back with the chair of the Republican National Committee, Ronnie, Ronna McDaniel. Uh, and Ronna, let me, let me ask you this. You've got a lot of several. Ronnie. Uh, campaigns, whether it's uh, the uh, Tuberville uh, sessions, a contest in Alabama, whether it is uh, Collins uh, in, uh, in Georgia and Kobach out in Kansas. Uh, in most instances, they're leading, uh, are in the case of Sessions, just short of leading uh, in their races, and yet they don't have the support of uh, the Republican Party. They don't have the support of, uh, uh, of Mitch uh, McConnell. Uh, what, what's going on, and why in the world aren't you supporting uh, winners? That's, I guess, the question. Why is there this confusion in the Republican well, Party when you need to keep a majority? So the RNC doesn't get involved in primaries. And I think that's, there's wisdom in that because it allows you to bring the competing parties together Lana, after a divisive Mc, primary. McConnell's spending $2 million yeah. against Kobach. I'm sorry? The, the RNC doesn't I mean, I mean he's trying to kill the frontrunner in the poll. Yeah. yeah so we what's just, the deal? We stay neutral because we bring everybody together. It's part of our policy. And then we, we come back together after the primary. We bring them together to get the winner across the finish line. We want the voters to make the decision, and they will. And, and Mitch has a different philosophy, and that's his choice. But we stay neutral in these primaries. Well, he's got the same philosophy. Tuberville is pro-amnesty. Uh, uh, he is on the wrong side of a number of issues. The president has endorsed him nonetheless, but did cancel a campaign uh, rally uh, with him. Kobach uh, is as conservative as he can be, uh, and, and frankly, he stands pretty tall amidst uh, the field that has uh, arrayed against him, uh, despite McConnell and his uh, rhino money. I mean, this is just, the party looks like hell to the American voter well, doing it, this but stuff.
Like hell. Yeah, she's the one that handed over the keys to the kingdom to CrowdStrike. She's the one that gave everything to the other side and to the nefarious actors that we have planted overseas still at deep state headquarters in Ukraine. They are cannibalizing each other cannibalizing each other and uh you know she's sitting there thank you lou for making it clear so if we waste money if here's the thing and it's tough because if we spend money in these primaries we may not have money for the general and we have to keep the senate so we've got to focus on who gets through the primary let the voters decide the candidates have to we will run out of money we have so much money it's insane the democrats had to set buildings on fire to raise money and we don't have money there's tons of us guys i don't have any money you know i don't have money to give yet yeah there i am sending one dollar sending two dollars sending whatever i have because i want this man elected uh so i don't see how she's being frugal and pushing the people she wants to raise their own money and run their own race and that's part of vetting the good candidate getting through winning these divisive primaries or these competitive primaries and then we get them across the finish line in the general but we have to win the senate so our money has gone into the ground game we're in all these battleground states mm -hmm. the biggest ground game we've ever built and we're ready to win back this keep the senate win back the house and reelect the president in November, and that is what our sure. focus is. And if I'm getting involved in all these primaries, I will waste resources that will eventually help us keep those yeah. goals in mind of winning the nope. House, uh, keeping the Senate, and winning the keeping presidency. Keeping the rhinos. I wish I, I had unlimited funds, then I get involved I was, in everything. I, I was asking you to get a hold of Mitch McConnell's right ear and kind of twist it. Uh, Ronna, thanks so much. Okay. Appreciate it. Great to see you yeah, as always. We'd like, Ronna McDaniel. We'd like them to do something that's, uh, you know, important for us, not important for them. Now, uh, you know, we need to talk about um, Ghislaine Maxwell again, okay? We really need to start talking about Ghislaine Maxwell because this is the key to everything. And what we're seeing with uh, SCOTUS Gate happening is a big deal. Uh, yesterday, uh, AMLO was here. Lou Dobbs did a great uh, breakdown. Uh, he had Robert O'Brien, which I really, really like because Robert O'Brien really respects our president. You could see it in his body language. He, he likes President Trump because he likes what he's doing. And, you know, he's different. Take a listen to this breakdown. This is a pretty good uh, analysis here. I, guys, I really like Robert O'Brien. Really, really like him. Take a listen. Has been in attendance at the meetings between President Trump and Mexican President Lopez Obrador. Joining us tonight is the National Security Advisor, Robert O'Brien. Uh, Robert, it's great to have you with us, and uh, this is an extraordinary moment. Uh, give us a sense of how those talks have gone, and at first, if you will, just the atmosphere and uh, the tone between these two men. Well, thank, thank you for having me on, Lou. It's, it's a very warm day here in Washington, and the, uh, the warmth here outside the White House is matched by the warmth inside between the uh, two presidents. It's, the, the meetings have been extraordinarily cordial between the presidents and the two delegations. Uh, we're making a lot of progress on various issues, uh, but President Lopez Obrador and President Trump have really hit it off. You could see that earlier when they were in the Rose Garden together, and it's, uh, we have a great relationship with Mexico. As the president said, it's never been better, and what a fantastic visit by uh, the president. I know you talked about monuments earlier. 
One of the nice things is, is that President Lopez Obrador earlier this morning went out to the Lincoln Memorial and placed a wreath uh, in, in front of Abraham Lincoln. And what a gesture of friendship and respect uh, from, from a socialist president down in Mexico to come up and honor President Lincoln that way. We were very pleased to see that. And he and the president uh, share something else that's not often uh, given much uh, t attention in the, at least the left-wing media, and that is both men are populist uh, and uh, believe uh, strongly in their responsibilities to the people rather than, uh, if you will, the commercial interest of their respective nations, even though both are pursuing uh, better times for all uh, in, uh, as a result of uh, their efforts to get more people employed. Uh, one of the things that most people have ignored here, uh, Robert, as you know, is that these two men are operating as partners, as we have never seen uh, yeah. in all of the time that I have been covering both Mexico and the United States. And that goes back to Salinas uh, and the uh, first Bush era. Uh, this is an extraordinary thing. It's, uh, and, I, and by the way, I frankly am astonished that the White House Communications Department, uh, the Trump administration, the Trump campaign, doesn't make more of the fact that these two men are operating as co-equals in battling the cartels, uh, drugs, and, and building a new trade relationship. No, 100%, Lou. When you said they had something in common, I thought you were going to say they both like baseball. So when they exchanged gifts earlier today, and it's a custom when a head of state comes, they often bring a gift for the president, and the president returns the uh, uh, the, 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 the gift. Uh, they exchanged baseball bats today. So the president uh, signed and gave a, a custom Louisville slugger uh, to President Lopez Orbador. President Lopez Orbador gave uh, the president a beautiful bat uh, that had been manufactured by some indigenous people in, uh, in southern Mexico, and, and they're both baseball fans as well. So, yeah, look, you're right about the partnership. I mean, nobody thought this would be possible. That President Lopez Orbador said this. He said people... people. Hold on. Now I want you guys to um, remember something. Now I want you to pay attention, okay? Do you remember when President Trump met with President Putin... Ball is in your court, right? Balls exchanged? Mm. Now they're up to bat. Bats were exchanged. Baseball bats. Bases loaded. Our turn. Let's get it done. I wouldn't believe this, but when you look at, the pre at what President Trump has done, he's built the wall. Immigration is down dramatically. Now, part of that is because of the wall. Part of it is also because the Mexicans have deployed 27,000 troops to their border. And why have they done that? Look, they don't want human traffickers on their border. They don't want narco traffickers on their border. They don't want illegal immigrants from, from conflict zones uh, on their border. And so we've got a lot in common with Mexico. And, and of course, the, uh, a lot of folks in the media would, would ignore that. But, but President Lopez Orbador and President Trump are working together as partners. And I don't think we've ever had a better relationship, as you just mentioned. And you've been following this for a long time, Lo. All right. Indeed. And it's nice of you to point that out, Robert. <laughs> The uh, the fact of the matter is since, that since uh, you were 12. as we look at what is, <laughs> God bless you for bailing me out. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is that both countries have an immense investment in, in one another. Uh, the fundamental idea behind NAFTA, uh, when it was first created, uh, and I was there for that, uh, uh, that moment as well, uh, and series of moments, it was that the United States felt that if we were to enrich anyone, 
we should be enriching our neighbors first. Uh, that is Canada and, of course, Mexico, and that is precisely what has happened. Now, this is a more mature relationship, and the president uh, has bring, is bringing greater balance, uh, and, and Lopez Obrador is working uh, to ensure that the cartels uh, meet, uh, meet their appropriate fate. Has there been much discussion about those cartels and what both countries can do uh, to to rid this uh, this hemisphere of them? Well, it's it's the cartels aren't just in Mexico, and with respect to Mexico, Bill Barr, our Attorney General, has been down to Mexico City a couple times in the last several months, and Mexico has begun ever since those terrible murders of the. Uh Wait, did you catch that? Bill Barr has been down to Mexico a couple times in the past couple of months. Uh, you mean because of Odenbrecht, you know, with the Justice Department announcing them for money laundering, right? And now, the day, a couple of days before the president of Mexico comes here, the guy gets extradited to Mexico, who was leading it here on, on this side of the world in Mexico, saying, I'll talk. Oh, it just so happened to, ha to happen, right? It just so happened to happen, right? Because this is where it comes down to it. Everything you are seeing, every single troll, every single attempt, every single slap they try to give us is because they are terrified. They are terrified because the house of cards are coming down. The thing is, it's after July 20th that we're going to see things coming down from us having Ghislaine Maxwell all this time. You know, it's uh, important for us to understand that the president has been surrounded by very evil people, still is in the White House, still is. He's got a few sitting in meetings with him, wiretapped. Yet, it's all about actions. And that's the unfortunate thing because, you know, we always measure a person by their actions. And if their actions are telling you different than what they're doing in the shadows, how can you tell? You can't. That's the biggest trick ever. But it's coming down because those are coming out and things are moving along. Uh, uh, the American uh, uh, family in, in Mexico They've extradited a number of cartel figures to the United States and have been cooperating closely with the DOJ and with Attorney General Barr. The other thing that we're doing, which, which Mexico truly appreciates, is the president deployed naval and Coast Guard assets and, 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 and soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines to the eastern Pacific, uh, down near Baja, California, and the Caribbean. Right. And we're interdicting tons and tons and tons of cocaine and marijuana, well over $2 billion of street value of drugs that we've interdicted over the past three or four months. Some of those drugs were actually going to Mexico. So we're doing a favor to the Mexicans, but to ourselves as well. Drugs, drugs. Yeah, of course. It's drugs. It's just regular drugs. I'll see you guys in just a bit because we have to go up uh, on a break now. Uh, for those of you on YouTube and Facebook, uh, it'll be silent for about five minutes while the radio airwaves get their commercials. And we'll be right back.
Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Taurus S Show. I'm your host, Taurus. So it's, it is the 9th of July, 2020, and here we go. We've got a uh, live feed now uh, from the Department of Defense talking about policing and um, uh, a lot more that's going on, actually. So I'm going to unmute this so we can listen to what um, Esper and the uh, Joint uh, Staff Chairman are saying uh, in regards to civilian law enforcement. Take a listen well-documented history about how to deal with, with domestic unrest, um, ranging everywhere from a you know, civil war to protest movements. Um, and we have studied this extensively. I've read quite a bit about it. And you know, what, what is our plan? You, you had a lot of the president's rhetoric that sort of sounded like, you know, basically, we will crush you, so you better stop doing this, um, to a, a more nuanced approach to how do you de-escalate how do you protect the legitimate right of people in this country to protest while at the same time stopping crime, uh, stopping uh, protest movements from becoming violent? I think it's something that requires thought and all leaders in, in a place to make those decisions need to be better educated on how that comes to pass. And then the last two things that I would like to touch on is one, the, the, the disturbing lack of coordination between what the White House was saying and what DOD was saying and in some cases doing. Um, the president started a lot of this with his announcement, and I forgive me, I forget the exact words, but the general gist of it was, you know, we will bring order to this country, and if the governors don't do it, then I will use the active duty military to do it for them. Um, that statement did not seem to be followed up by any actual actions to do it, um, but why would he say that if that was the case? Uh, and what sort of conversations went on between the Department of Defense and the President and others in the White House about the best way to respond that, to that? Uh, and that gets to an interesting part of this, um, and that's the difficult position that any Secretary of Defense and any Chairman of the Joint Chief of Staff is in. Um, you work for the President. He's the commander-in-chief. That's the way the flow chart goes, um, and his decisions are final, um, and you have to follow those. Now, it is absolutely impossible that any per person in either of your positions would agree 100% of the time with everything the president said. Uh, how do you handle those disagreements? How do you work through that? You know, admittingly that you can't come out in public um, and say, yeah, I think my boss is an idiot. I completely disagree with his decision. And it is something that happens in this committee all the time. I've been on this committee through four presidents, two Republicans, two Democrats. And whenever that is the case, invariably, the party up here that is not in the White House tries to get everybody at the Department of Defense to admit that some decision by the president, they don't agree with it. Um, they, under President Obama, it happened all the time. We had DOD personnel up here, some decision was made. They said, but come on, you really don't think that's the right thing to do. I do understand that in my time anyway, I've never seen a single solitary witness confess and say, oh yeah, I thought that was stupid. That's not the way it works, and I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for an understanding as to how the White House and DOD can better coordinate. We've had a disturbing pattern, not just on the domestic unrest issues, but on a number of issues of the White House seemingly out of the blue, making bold policy statements that affect DOD decisions that do not appear to have been well-coordinated are certainly not well-delivered. The decision to pull out of Syria, um, the decision to remove troops from Germany, the decision to ban transgender people from serving in the military, that one was particularly galling because it came within days after every service chief had testified that there was no problem with them serving. 
then a tweet goes out and DOD has to respond. Um, that sends. So that is what I wanted you guys to hear. This is where they show who they are, right? Show who they are. Mr. Smith needs to go. Talking smack about your president during a presser, right? Not the best thing to do. Mr. Smith needs to go. What kind of name is Mr. Smith anyway? Kind of like what kind of name is Stanley Ann Dunham, right? So uh, here we are. Uh, they are all coming out. Tons of them. Tons of them. Coming out like nobody's business. Because nobody said it better than uh, my favorite, Tucker Carlson. One of the two with no insurance. So I want us to take a listen to what he had to say in regards of, can we actually keep Maxwell safe until trial? And he has a former corrections officer weighing in on this one. Take a listen. Jeffrey Epstein's consigliere, reputedly his pimp, has been arrested and charged with a number of crimes, including sex trafficking. Her name apparently is pronounced Galen Maxwell, spelled Gislaine. You know who she is. According to one of Epstein's victims who spoke with Fox, Maxwell is just as bad as the billionaire she once served. She is. She is Jeffrey Epstein's handler. Nobody is stating it as fact. It is fact. Edgar Bronfman, his daughter, Sarah, remember, Nixium, she was on trial. She was put. <laughs> so that's that. And obviously, Robert Maxwell pairing up with Jeffrey Epstein. They created him. Les Wexner, also part of it. But I've written about it so many times. It's ridiculous. But see, the thing is, we are accustomed to just listen to the brand names. What does that even mean? We create brands. If all of us decided one day that XYZ brand, you know, that's couture and you buy a handbag for $3,000, say that their bags are horrible, then they're horrible and they're no longer a brand. We decide, understand, we are the news. We decide what is what. Hmm? Remember that. We are the news. We are the consumers. We have the power, not them. Why are we listening to the mainstream media when we should be listening to ourselves? The rapist. Um, she um, destroyed my what was supposed to be my, the best years of my life. She is just as evil as Jeffrey Epstein, as everybody has painted him to be. Miss Maxwell was his business partner in this she she did this to many girls it was a hateful and degrading rape and i was dumped off in my grandparents yard naked and was told that i wouldn't come back alive the next time Another alleged victim told 60 Minutes Australia which is excellent by the way about how Maxwell ensnared young girls his private sanctuary, an isolated prison known as Pedo Island, where he would share the girls like prey with his rich and powerful friends. We weren't anything important to them at all. We weren't even a human being to them. 
We were just another toy to be passed around. And that's what they did. Prince Andrew should be panicking at the moment uh, because Ghislaine doesn't really care about anyone else but Ghislaine. I was in the car with her and she would ask the driver to stop the car. And she'd dash across to the school or the park or wherever she was going. And she would like write down her phone number for a child, a young girl. And then I'd see that child at the house and she'd say they're auditioning. You know, I found a model in the park and I thought it was really strange because I did see a couple girls in braces and I've never seen a model with braces. Well, that's disgusting. So Maxwell has now been arrested, but then of course, Jeffrey Epstein was arrested too. So how confident can the rest of us be that Maxwell will reveal what actually happened on Pedo Island and other places? Who was involved? Who paid for it? Were there foreign governments? How confident can we be that she will make it to a courtroom? Now, let me tell you something. I've said this before uh, to give you guys the essence of it. The way the victim described how they were being passed around, that they weren't even people. They were just a toy to play with. That is how the people in office right now see every single one of you. You are nothing to them. If you die, you mean nothing. If you're in pain, you mean nothing. Your life is nothing to them. They have lost the ability, that humanity, to feel with you. They've cut it off. They've completely cut it off. Where you are kind of like the way Hillary Clinton would respond to people as peasants, you know, look down on people. Uh, You know, the way they see people is, I really have to smile to these idiots, these disgusting bottom feeders so that I can get office. I'm telling you that's how they see people. I've seen them discuss how they see people. This is the reality them, which are few, and you, which are many. Again, we create the people we see. We create the power they have. We create the power behind anything. We give them that power. How many children lost their lives? How many children treated like children of a lesser God as meat, as sustenance, as toys. Is this okay? They will release people into the woods and hunt for fun. Wait till you see King William. That's going to knock your head. When King William comes up now, you'll know That the crown has been activated and it's on. King William. We have put brothers against brothers, sisters against sisters. They care nothing about humanity. This is the time that we come up. Do you think that Ghislaine, 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 look, do you think that Maxwell actually talked because she's scared? Do you think that she talked willingly? Oh, just save me. She sat for months being questioned. 
monitored. Think about it. Do you think that she sat by herself because she wouldn't take herself out? Do you think she's scared of all of the vultures that are going to come for her when she speaks? Do you think she wants to speak? People are crying about the fact that she's in isolation for her own good. That's torture, putting a socialite, said Geraldo Rivera, in isolation with rats and roaches. It drives them crazy. You mean makes them speak? You mean tells them that you are not going to get a death so you can go? You're going to stay here, and every time we slide food under the door, there's going to be big roaches the size of your palm running up against you. When she sleeps, she feels something at her foot. She can't move. You know, and she's sleeping with tissue paper. She feels nothing for people until she lives like the people she treats like nothing. Oh, will she not speak? Then she will suffer day in, day out, day in, day out. Do you think that the New Hampshire sanction was done by her friends? No. But she did think so. I mean, the crown. Hey, naughty, naughty, naughty. She was so dumb, she decided that she's going to use communications. So we had to bring her out. See, it's all about what you see. You know, a, a lot of people talk about hell, right? Fires, demons, screeching, tearing at your flesh, I don't know, putting worms in your mouth, whatever. That's not it. Hell is having to sit and just think. Hell is having... Items of provocation to make you irk, like, you know, little things like spiders, mice, rats, roaches, right? That'll drive anyone insane. Uh, if someone puts you in a room and you know that a rat can go in and out, how well will you sleep? Not that well. Because say you kill one of them, how many of them are going to come back? And then you're going to have a dead carcass of a rat right there. Every time you eat, you know that you must grab that food. You don't know who made it for you. You don't know what's in it. Some might say, hey, did you enjoy, I don't know, your crickets or, you know, we've, it rained and there were a couple worms. That's the, the squishy stuff in your, in your food. You know, they can mess with your mind. Huh? Tori, how do you know that? How do you think people speak? These are methods that you take to the evil to give them what they've been dishing. Everything she dished, she's going to experience and she is experiencing. They're sick. So the question lies, can we keep her safe? Can we keep her safe? Take a listen. Ed Gavin is a retired deputy warden for the New York City Department of Correction. The man to answer that question, he joins us tonight. Ed, thanks so much for coming on. Are you concerned that Maxwell won't make it to court? I think uh, there are some issues that we have to contend with. When you think about what happened to Jeffrey Epstein, he uh, supposedly committed suicide in prison? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, Dr. Michael Bodden, a renowned pathologist, examined Jeffrey Epstein, and he determined that the hyoid bone was fractured, and that's more consistent with um, 
homicide by strangulation instead of suicide by hanging. And, of course, the cameras conveniently weren't working there. I don't think the feds can uh, handle these prisoners, um, uh, such high-profile prisoners like Maxwell or Epstein. If I were William Barr, what I would do is I would seek to obtain a substitute jail order, and I would try to have uh, Miss Maxwell placed on Rikers Island with the New York City Department of Correction. I mean, the jails are empty right now because de Blasio has police reform and Cuomo right. has bail reform, so everybody's out in the street. So there's plenty of room at the inn on Rikers. And then we have a, an emergency services unit that could handle her. And I, I think that's the best thing that could happen. And the reason I say that is because the jail that she's currently in, the Metropolitan Detention Center in Brooklyn, is notorious for the sexual abuse of female inmates. And let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, in 2011, there was a female correction officer there. She had sex on duty with eight, uh, eight employees. Two of them were superior officers. She also had sex with two inmates. One was a, a gangbanger and a drug dealer, and the other one killed two and New York City police detectives. And finally, we have a lieutenant and two correction officers recently who were convicted of, um, you know, sexually abusing over, over 10 women. The lieutenant was um, um, in charge of the unit, and he was, um, one of his functions was to teach the officers about PREA, which is the Prison Rape Elimination Act. Can you imagine the guy that's supposed to be training officers how to prevent rape in prisons is actually raping the inmates? So it's, I don't think that that facility is capable of handling it. There's just too much that's gone on there recently, and I don't think any female inmate should be housed there. And another thing I, I firmly believe, I don't believe female inmates should be housed in the same facility with male inmates. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, I Okay, now let me let me say something on this. And this is something that, um, you know, I've put forward many, many times. Uh, so <clears throat> correction officers, there's people that do this, you know, for a long time. And having seen people in prisons and correctional officers, it is the worst job for your soul. We know that about 75% of the people that actually go to jail are usually innocent. And correctional officers are like nannies, right? They make sure they get fed, they don't fight, uh, that they have what they need, that they get the health care they need, uh, that they don't kill themselves, right? They do all that. It is at one point in their career, quite early on, that they start to turn off that compassion switch. The compassion switch, because they've seen so much evil, you know, the rapist, the child rapist, the cannibal, the ruthless murderer, right? The petty thief, you know, that's just a kid that's just dumb and, you know, was indoctrinated. The, the, the you know, larceny, federal larceny, right? the wife beater, uh, you name it. They've seen everything. And then they've seen those that have been charged with those crimes that didn't do anything. To your soul, that chips away all the time. If anything, you know, when Laura Loomer gets to Congress, that's the one thing that I want her to do and is anyone that is a police officer that arrests people and puts them there must rotate every four years as a correctional officer. 
And this is important. One, for the police to know exactly what they're doing. And two, for change of scene. Change of scene. There should be a rotation. Because, guys, I can't fathom having a job to nanny hurt souls at all. So the crimes that are committed in prisons are insane, in jails are insane because they do not see them as people anymore. Correctional officers do not see them as people and they have to do that to be safe. They have to do that to be safe. They start not using, they don't use their names. They use the word inmate cause of separation. That's a psychological thing. Maybe they'll use numbers. That's a psychological. They never ever delve into their stories. They don't want to hear it because they need, it's them and them, right? They're separate. They're separate. It's important for their soul. It's important for their soul. They need that. So this is the same way with these pedophiles, Epstein, Ghislaine, Maxwell, Soros, Clintons, Obamas, all of them. Even your stars. You think Beyonce wants you to touch you? Ew. Are you wearing Walmart? You know, these are things we need to understand. This is how you distance yourself from humanity. So what he's saying, hey, look, the guy that was supposed to be helping women was the one raping them. And people that were supposed to be protecting them were causing harm to them and protecting them from themselves and other inmates, not because they deserve it per se, but they are human. Huh? So this is important because desensitization to humanity, to compassion, to your fellow neighbor, regardless if they're a POS or not, that's a problem. I'm struggling with that right now. I'm struggling personally in my personal life to have compassion. I'm trying to not have compassion for someone that deserves compassion because they're so evil. I say this. If, if that video that was created showing the before and afters of liberalism hitting hard, what you see is a tortured soul. You can see evil incarnated. You could see the dysmorphia of their reality. These people do not like people. Stars do not like people. They, what? You, you come shake my hand. What? Oh, hey, you want some of these chips? Ew, chips. Are they like from a potato that was massaged that was put in this soil and da, da, da. You're such a peasant. This is the same thing. Exact correctional officers are trained to switch off the compassion switch. This is why the majority of the crimes happen there. This is why they don't really care if one of them dies. Oh, just another inmate dead. Just another inmate raped. Hey, you're in there. You want some? I'm going to give it to you. Oh, you don't want some? Who are they going to believe? You or me? That's the way it goes. This is the reality of things. So listen to how they analyze. Can they keep her safe? And we need to change that. Right. Unless you believe there's no difference between the sexes, in which case you're a moron. Here's what bothers me. I don't think anybody mourns the death of Jeffrey Epstein as a man. But what does this say about the country when a guy can be 
possibly murdered in a jail cell. It suggests that a lot of people played along with that. The people who are supposed to be watching him, perhaps officials at the facility. Why are none of them in deep trouble right now? Why don't we know the truth? I don't understand. Well, I'll tell you why. Because we have corrupt police officials. We have corrupt officials in the FBI. We have corrupt officials in the U.S. Attorney's Office. I mean, just look at what Jeffrey Epstein did going back uh, 10, 15 years ago. He paid money to the Palm Beach Police Department. Police departments shouldn't be accepting money from private citizens. When he was, what sex offender, what sex offender gets... Remember that, because that's what we're talking about today. Um, work release from jail. The Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office facilitated that. Epstein formed a company so that he could pay deputy sheriffs to babysit him while he was on uh, work release. Now, I was a a deputy warden for security and programs at a New York City correctional facility in 2000, and we housed about 400 sex offenders. I I never had one sex offender that was released on work release. It's unheard of. So then you had the state's attorney way back when who didn't even bother to interview the children or their parents. Now, as you know, Tucker, now I've been doing human trafficking investigations for the last four. Wait a minute. Uh, You want to know who was mayor at the time and the police and the sheriff and all this was going down? That's right. Lois Frankel, the one running up against Laura Loomer. Please feel free to tweet it out and tell her that she's a pedophile enabler because she did do that. 15 years in the streets in New York. So I know a lot about that. And Child Protective Services was never notified. The family court was never notified. And social services never had an opportunity to protect those children. So law enforcement has blown this from the very beginning. And now all of a sudden, 10 years later, they arrest Jeffrey Epstein at an airport. Exactly. Now all of a sudden, they find this clown up in New Hampshire. Give me a break. I totally The law enforcement agree. authorities that have handled this is it's just bizarre. I've never heard of anything like it. I do not trust the people that were involved in this investigation. Right. So instead, they're, and, they're and, crushing and Tucker, local police departments, I, I, I but re- nobody is yeah. saying this. No, I agree. Yeah, g- give me your, these, give me your 10 seconds. Exactly. Ed, thank you for that. How great is it to hear truth like that? Right. How great. And that's because we're all getting parts of the story. We're not getting the whole story of how dare us get the whole story. We're not going to get it. That's the way it goes. There is uh, no story that you're allowed to have. That's the way it goes. No story. No, no, no. You're not going to have the true story because we don't want you to know what's really going on. And this goes back to things that I've said. And you should read my article on Attorney General Barr. You know, it's very important that people, uh, you know, remember history. Remember who these people are. Remember how it goes, because this tells you everything you need to know. Everything you need to know. See, this is a typical M.O., so let's get to um, to uh, Jeffrey Epstein uh, in Palm Beach, right? And um, the police chief uh, who arrested him, uh, you know, the case was taken away from him. And it, what's incredible is that, you know, no one remembers what history is or what it um, actually was. <laughs> Because they change everything. They change everything because you're not supposed to know the truth. Now, what this man was saying, this former corrections officer, right, said, was that uh, 
the deputy chief and the uh, the deputy sheriff and the sheriff's department were being paid. There's a story coming. There was a foundation that he created. And when he was on release, he supposedly worked, right, for uh, this foundation, which was to benefit Florida. And that's why he was on work release. And so, uh, you know, what's incredible is that uh, $180,000 went back to Palm Beach County. Now, I'm going to remind us everything about um, what happened uh, with Acosta, because we need to revisit this for a second. Uh, Because the ex-Palm Beach state attorney says that Secretary Acosta was completely wrong on Epstein. We need to listen to that because it's important that we understand exactly what we're up against. It is the most insane scenario of cover-up. We have people everywhere covering up for these horrific crimes, horrific people. And you have to ask yourself, why? Who are they covering up for? That's the thing. When you peel back the onion, at one point, you get to the core closer to the core you get, the more you cry, right? That's what we need to remember. And not just my opinion, but I've shared the affidavit. Based on the evidence, there was value to getting a guilty plea and having him register. Now at 7, Labor Secretary Alex Acosta is defending his actions related to Jeffrey Epstein's prosecution a decade ago. Acosta was the U.S. attorney in South Florida at the time of Epstein's plea deal, and it was brokered by his office. He says he stepped in when state prosecutors appeared ready to let him walk. Still calls for Acosta's resignation from the administration have not subsided. CBS 4's Natalie Brand joins us live from Washington, D.C. with the latest. Natalie. And Francis Elliott, there are still a lot of questions about the handling of this past Florida case. When asked by reporters whether Secretary Acosta has any regrets, he acknowledged that now is a different time for victims and for transparency, but ultimately said he believes his office back then acted appropriately. In our heart, we were trying to do the right thing for these victims. Labor Secretary Alex Acosta says he agreed to a 2008 plea deal with Jeffrey Epstein because he wanted to ensure the billionaire financier did not walk. We did what we did because we wanted to see Epstein go to jail. He needed to go to jail. Epstein was accused of sexually abusing dozens of underaged girls. An investigator on the case called the evidence supporting the girls' stories overwhelming. There is a big gulf between sufficient evidence to go to trial and sufficient evidence to be confident in the outcome of that trial. Epstein served 13 months but was allowed to leave jail and go to work six days a week. Acosta also offered an explanation for why the plea deal was kept secret from the victims. But a Florida judge has since ruled that was illegal. I've reached out to Mr. Acosta numerous times, formally and informally, saying, just sit down with us and explain why. CBS News has learned President Trump encouraged Secretary Acosta to hold a news conference to explain his actions as a U.S. attorney. My relationship with the president's outstanding. Uh, He has, I think, very publicly um, made clear that, that I've got his support. But Democrats say Acosta should resign. This deal stinks. He betrayed his position as a prosecutor. 
it was secret, immoral, and likely Lawmakers also want a Justice Department probe launched earlier this year examining the Epstein plea deal to be made public. And during this news conference, as you heard, we heard Acosta criticize, essentially criticize the Palm Beach County handling of the case before his U.S. attorney's office intervened. Well, tonight, the former state attorney for Palm Beach is pushing back, disputing Acosta's recollection of that time and saying if he was so concerned about the Palm Beach case, he should have moved forward with the 53-page uh, indictment that his own office drafted. So that's some new information, new uh, reaction tonight from the former Palm Beach County state attorney during that time. We're also hearing from Senator Marco Rubio, who is eagerly awaiting the outcome of the DOJ probe. When asked whether he still has confidence in Secretary Acosta, here's what he said. Again, what he has said is that there was real questions about whether they could get a conviction. And, um, and therefore, they, they struck the best deal they could, and it was approved from all the way up to the top of the Justice Department. But the probe will determine whether, uh, I hope, the DOJ probe was going to let us know whether this was the result of political influence or the result of a prosecutorial decision that, in hindsight, may not have been the right one. But until then, I think it would be premature for me to, to weigh in on whether what, what, what the answer Jeffrey Epstein went to jail just before... Lawmakers have actually written to the Department of Justice to try to get a status up update of where that DOJ probe currently stands. Francis Elliott. Natalie Brand, thank you for that live update. So where does it stand is their question, right? Where does it stand? Well, let's take a trip back in time. Let's go to 2008. You ready, you guys? Let's, let's, uh, let's take a trip back in time. We're going to do this. You're going to see the news reportings from 2008. This will tell you everything you need to know. Here we go. You ready for this? Listen. Jeffrey Epstein went to jail just before 10 this morning. He pleaded guilty in open court. He agreed to serve a total of 18 months in the Palm Beach detention facility, 12 for felony solicitation of prostitutes, and an additional six for procuring persons under 18 for prostitution. The conviction stemmed from several incidents from August of 2004 to October of 2005. The prosecuting attorney would not say how many female victims there are. She would only say there was more than one adult victim and more than one underaged victim. After 18 months in the Palm Beach detention facility, Epstein will serve another 12 months house arrest at his Palm Beach home. The 54-year-old will be confined to his home except for work and other activities approved by his probation officer. In addition, Epstein will serve 12 months of community service at his own nonprofit, the Florida Science Foundation, and he has to stay away from minors. The guilty plea and deal end a years-long process that could have sent Epstein to jail for 15 years. It's just it's a long process. Um, there were a lot of considerations made by the state, having victims testify, um, and their feelings regarding that. Um, embarrassment to them, which might occur, and so it's just been a long time resolving it, coming to what we thought was an appropriate resolution. Within two days of his release, Epstein will have to register as a sexual offender. It's a designation he'll have to keep for the rest of his life. In the newsroom, Michelle King, News Channel 5. And he only had to register for that state, right? It wasn't on a national database like they do now, where when you're a pedophile, or a sexual offender that follows you. 
state to state. So this is where we see changes. This is where we see, uh, you know, uh, pretty insane things happening. And, you know, you have to wonder, why is Epstein so important? So I'm going to take you to an article of mine. I'm going to share my page uh, right now so you guys can see it. And I'll walk through everyone that's not on YouTube. Uh, I wrote an article uh, a while back. Because like I said, I have a lot of information. (laughs) And this one had uh, pictures that not a lot of people post and uh, flight logs. And I made a list uh, for his flights in 2002. Uh, You know, Michael Wolf, that loser. Uh, He was actually on the flight with Epstein where a young lady was there and she was tossed around. Uh, and so while they were having discussions, uh, Michael Wolf enjoyed some fellatio on the plane by this young child. This is how they operate. Kit Laybourne. You know, we got Nickelodeon here. I got pictures uh, with uh, uh, Google execs. Here we go. This is the Microsoft guy, Nathan Merhold. Uh, here is um, one of his victims that had pictures. This is her at 1516 on a ferry boat in New York. Uh, this is, well, we all know who this is. <laughs> Bill Clinton is a rapist Clinton. Uh, here we have Cindy Lopez. Here we have Eric Schmidt and Kelly Bovino. This chick over here sent a cease and desist after Harvard got in a lot of trouble. Because I have pictures of Harvard peeps in, let me see where it is. I have pictures of Harvard uh, professors in his plane posing. Is it in this article or do I have it in another one? I'm pretty sure it was in this one. Where they're in his jet posing in the Lolita Express posing. They're posing. These are Silicon Valley. John Brockman with that Kelly Bovino that sent to cease and desist. Oh, look at that. Who's that? Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Look at all these familiar faces. Oh, dear. Google. Hey, do you see Google? Hey, who's that? Oh, is that Amazon? Oh, yeah, that is. Oh, dear. Hey, that's what we have to remember. These are the people that are doing this. This girl over here, she went through hell. But here is a New York Post article now deleted where President Trump uh, literally said that, uh, you know, he's he was appalled that Epstein actually you know, tried to recruit his own people from his resort. He said that. Here's the article that says it. That's when they stopped hanging out. So for those of you out there saying, well, do they have pictures? Do they uh, have a way to get, you know, President Trump with Epstein? I'm going to tell you, no, they don't. They don't have a lot. Here's Epstein I broke this story where he actually landed at our military base in Japan, how he was picking up, you know, former president of China, right? How he went out to Brunei, you know, the place where they're throwing people off, you know, they're killing gays, right? Um, This is inside the private jet. Tori, how do you, this is the inside of the jet. This is it. The Sultan of Brunei, 
is on this too. You see this coming soon. It wasn't time yet to put it in the energy company because this has to do with Enron. You see that Enron, Enron and pedophiles, energy and pedophiles. I've been writing about this. Uh, see Wexner. Did you guys know the things about Wexner? How he's, he created Victoria's Secret and created this line. Do you remember Justin Bieber as a little boy running around with the Victoria Angels? This is him. This is Wexner, right? This is Wexner. Look, these are for children. Look, these are underwear for tweenies, 12-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 10, 12-year-olds. This is underwear called the date panty. What 12-year-old wears panties like this? Here, I dare you. Call me. After party. What? Enjoy the view. What children dress like this, you guys? What children dress in thongs? And I actually, you know that he had Amber Crombie and Fitch, right? And if you look at his book, uh, you will see sexualization. Like, no, this is his, uh, he has a book. I urge you to go to torysays.com, just put in Epstein and look for the article about Wexner priming little girls. This is a back to school edition, you guys. Back to school. Back to school. These are the pictures. They're very explicit, showing and advertising clothing, but none of them are wearing clothing. That's the thing. This is what they've been doing. They've been poisoning our youth. They've been pushing these things. <laughs> and the thing is, all of them are there. Big tech are in it. Media in it. Music mongols. You're talking superstars, you know. And you know superstars and musicians are the bottom feeders of the elite, right? They're the, they're the um, scuts. For people like the Clintons, for people like the Eric Schmitz, who, by the way, um, you know, helped out with CrowdStrike, wrote an article about that, too. This is the stuff that anybody, no matter what side of the you could take an insane libtard and tell them they were raping, sacrificing, eating, doing whatever to children. And they will not accept it. No matter how much brainwashing you do, that will never fly. This is why it's important that we do it quick. Because then we get things like uh, a young lady, right? This is, this is what happens. This is how they cancel people. There was a girl named Samantha uh, Forfeffel. That's the, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's P-F-E-F-F-E-R-L-E. Uh, she got accepted to college, uh, Marquette University. Right. And, and this story was out uh, the day before yesterday on TikTok. She made like a little video, you know, uh, supporting President Trump, basically. And, you know, she had her flag and she was like, I'm going to university. I'm the class of 2024 at Marquette University. Now, apparently, Libtards found it, and suddenly the college started to get with her, telling her, you know, uh, you know, she her position is not, you know, established. This girl has a schedule for fall. She's paid for her dorm. She's paid her tuition. I mean, what do you mean my my seat in the university isn't, uh, you know, there, and that my classification is in limbo? So they were asking her questions like about dreamers. How would I feel if a dreamer lived down the hall? you know things like that that's that's the question she said she was asked and so 
uh, you know, the university started prompting questions like, I don't know, you know, we have to see. So Marquette University, a spokesperson actually told uh, Empower Wisconsin that the school didn't rescind her offer, but they acknowledged that the admissions team had a recent conversation with incoming freshmen about statements made on her social media accounts. Okay, so now there's cancel culture. And now they're cutting and pasting letters to send to universities to cancel people going to universities. There's a really quick fix on this. Super quick fix, okay? Super quick fix. What you do is... You take it and say, oh, you want to start questioning people on their, so what they're doing, their business? She's going to school, paying for education. That has, you have no business in their personal life. You have no business telling them, oh, you're supposed to think like this. You're supposed to talk like this. You're supposed to dress like this, walk like this. No, you're supposed to be there purely to provide education. It's like, you know, going to a car mechanic and the car mechanic saying, well, you know, you're paying me to fix your car, but I don't want to fix it because you drink green tea and I don't like it. Be like, dude, what is me doing whatever I want with my body, my voice, my space, my social media, my life have to do with me paying you to change my oil? I'm just saying this is an example, right? So this is where this young lady is in the same predicament. She's paying. She's paying for education and they're saying that they don't want her to get an education from their institution because she likes, uh, you know, President Trump and that she promotes, uh, you know, America, the Constitution and that she's a patriot. Here's how he fixed it. Any university that harasses any person that is a conservative should not receive any federal funding that includes title funds that includes not allowing students to get federal loans to attend their school because they do not allow everyone that they discriminate and let them figure it out. That's how you fix things. You say, wait a minute, this is America. You're saying, oh, you don't like her attitude. So you don't want her in here. Sure. Then you don't need to get our tax dollars because we say in America, anybody can have access to anything regardless of their religion, their color or their point of view. But it's not that way, is it? It seems like they're ganging up. Well, this is where you smack them with like, all right, you questioned the fact that they questioned her should immediately put a hold on all federal funding. The fact that they questioned her should stop all funds. This is exactly what should be done. The fact that they even questioned her and then probed questions because they wanted her to say something like, oh, she's racist. She's a threat to other students. Cut the funds. The minute they have no funds, the minute that a student that got a federal loan to pay for the tuition gets revoked and returned, huh, you'll see how quick things change. That's what we need to do. Student loans are federal loans. Federal loans abide by federal laws. Ha. Stop that. And you watch the universities change their tune. I mean, we have Harvard and all these corrupt clown centers now demanding 
and demanding, get this, that visas be allowed for their students because they're losing money. No one's going to pay that much money to go to Harvard except for the elites of the world that then throw crumbs to give some kind of, uh, you know, scholarship. I remember when I was offered a, a scholarship, they gave me 17000 <laughs> What am I supposed to do with that? That covers like a month of tuition. I couldn't go. So this is how we get back at them by implementing the laws that are already there. This is how we make it known. We're in charge, not them. We're in charge, not them. Tomorrow, being Friday, maybe even this afternoon, we're going to have some really weird stuff coming out. Because remember, next Tuesday, Roger Stone is supposed to go to jail. So preemptively, they've removed him from social media, of course. You can't have gloating. You can't have him on there. You just need to cancel him, eradicate him, so that people forget about it, and we could talk about whatever we want. You know, uh, there's an old saying that sunlight cures all, right? Uh, you, you have to open up windows in your house, you know, and let some light in to kill bacteria, to kill just bad things that may fester. See how light is killing them off one by one. Everything they say is being eradicated with just what? A little bit of light. Whoa, wait a minute. Didn't see that before. Because when we see things in retrospect, we're like, what's going on here? This can't be happening. This is America. Look, there is something huge that is coming. And I said it was going to be SCOTUSgate. You know, now they tell us a month later that, oh, you know, Chief Justice this. I told you about the Chief Justice. I told you that there's insurance. I've already sent that stuff off to the Department of Justice. There's a lot of people that are like, oh, you know, there's a John Roberts name on it. Yeah. And if you notice in my article, I actually put other passengers too. And I highlighted it. It's very important. I mean, I, I know a lot of my articles are a little bit cryptic because not all communications are intended for just the general public. It's how I tell my counterparts things or what needs to be seen. You see? Now, yesterday, I don't know if you guys missed this or understood it, but I noted that the president had withdrew his nomination for the IG of the NSA, and yet he still went through on confirmation. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? That's terrifying, and it's very, very significant. Could you imagine? He nominated him, and then he withdrew his nomination, and months later, they still had a hearing of the IG NSA, right? They still question Storch. What does that tell you? If he withdrew the nomination, why did they go forward with the hearing? Oh, he was busy with other things. He wasn't paying attention. And when they brought it to his table, he was like, oh, yeah? Uh, wait a minute. Is this the guy? No, no, no. It was the other one. Yeah, okay. Because he's got so much. They used that because the wrong people were by his side. You know, Kanye said something interesting. Oh, President Trump is in a bunker. It's not wrong. Uh, but we'll, we'll realize that at another time. We'll revisit that notion at another time. Um, what we need to really focus on is what is happening today. What is happening now? Uh, and right now, 
they're going nuts. Right now, they're losing it. Right now, they're trying to hang on to whatever they think they have. Right now, they're, art- they're attacking our youth. That is how they're moving forward. Joe Biden is never going to win. He's there as a shield. He is not there to win. He is there as a shield. A shield because they cannot kick off a case against them without going through Biden. Because Biden was the guy that was ushering all the deals. What we see in front of us, what we are seeing happening every day is pure panic and fear. And they want you to fear and panic and think we have no control because that is the only way they win. I've said this many, many times before you shape your own reality, yet your reality is affected by those around you. This is why I am angry When I see people that drink their coffee and do all these casts on YouTube talking smack and pandering to that part of your soul to make you feel in like you're in fear. So self-preservation kicks in and you shut up. They're part of the problem and paid. And again. There's no need for me to name names. There's no need for me to throw people like that under the bus yet. That will come at another time. Because like I've always said, corrupt clowns always, always pull their own pants down. Always. That's a fact. So you stay true to you, you look at the facts, and you take that decision of how you see things. Reality hacking, man, it's on fire lately. I'll see you guys tomorrow, same time, same place. God bless.